Thanks for tuning in to the Life is Good Pink Podcast. We're your hosts, Bert and John Jacobs. On today's episode, we're in Los Angeles, California, talking with our good friend, musician, and activist, Michael Franti. One of our favorite artists and humans on the planet. Incredible guy. He's a hoop junkie, and he had some Zen analogies about life and the art of basketball. We'll also find out why he hasn't worn shoes in a decade. Incredible. And we have a ping pong battle. We went at it. Battle to the death. It was a, it was a heavyweight drop-down drag-out. Brawl. You're at a show, some incredible music thing happens, and suddenly you put your arms around a complete stranger, you're singing the song, totally out of tune, and you don't, you're not thinking about anything that happened before, you're not concerned about anything that happened in the future, you're just right there in that moment. And you feel that sense of joy, that sense of elation. And sometimes it makes you cry. Sometimes it makes you give somebody you don't know a high five. But that's what music does is it drops us into those moments. Pong. Ping. Pong. Ping. Ping. Pong. Pong. Ping. Ping. Pong. Pong. Ping. Ping. Pong. Ping. Podcast. Ping Podcast. You're listening to the Life is Good Ping Podcast, a podcast all about the power of optimism. We're your hosts, Bert and John Jacobs, co-founders of Life is Good, and we are brothers. That we are. Each episode, we'll talk to some of the most interesting people in the world and discover what keeps them positive. We're going to end each interview with a ping pong challenge for charity. Yes, we're going to play for the Life is Good Kids Foundation, and our opponents, our guests, will play for the charity of their choice. And you can watch behind-the-scenes clips from every episode, plus see ping pong highlights on the Life is Good YouTube channel. Bring on the optimism! All right, we're here with Michael Franti. Welcome, What's Michael. Up? It's nice great to, to see you, you brother. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they got mic stands tall enough for the three of us because uh, <laughs> this is like about uh, 21 feet of mic stand in here right now. <laughs> nice, man. How are you? I'm really great. Good, good. Could you tell us something good that happened today? Well, I woke up. That was the, that was the first thing. I, That's I, pretty I, good, right? Any know, day. And um, I woke up and then Sarah brought our seven month old baby Taj into yeah. the bed. And it's always a thing in the morning because we're trying to sleep train him, you know, and like he's trying to, you know, he's in his nursery, he's crying in the night and you're hearing it and you're like, ah, I want to go in there and hug him up. And you go in there and you kind of pat him and relax him. And then eventually he falls asleep. So by the time the morning comes around 10 hours later, you're, you're like, you feel so bad from the night before, like you let him cry it out and you're yeah. like, oh, I just want to hug him up and see him. Yeah. So it's always a thing in the morning for, for Sarah and I like, do you go get him or do I go get him? Yeah. And so today she was like, can I just go get him today? <laughs> you know? So we're always arguing over who gets to go get Taj and bring him into the room. Have nice. you been a stone cold trainer? Like, you know, you can no, just let him go. No, I'm no. the worst. I'm the worst. I go in there and Sarah's like, make sure you don't hug him. And, and we have a camera, you know, that's like a baby monitor. So yeah. it's like, I'm thinking she's watching me on the camera. I better not hug him, but I just do. I pick him up. I like yeah. sort of sneak to a corner of the room. I hug him. I sing to him longer than we should. And this is all new. This has yeah. only been about so four you're or a bad five parent. Minutes. So basically, I'm saying. a terrible parent. Bottom yeah. one. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> Check that one off. Yeah. We suspected. Yeah. Too much singing at night. Yeah. yeah. Rock stars are bad parents. <laughs> yes. That's it. Michael, a lot of people would think 
what you do and what we do are very different. Mm. How do you see them as actually similar? Well, I mean, we've talked about this a lot before. We're, we're both in the, in the, with the, have a mission of promoting optimism, you know, and that's what I do through music. You know, I, I try to um, write songs that speak about the challenges of life and how we find ways to get through them. You know, and and I, I, although my songs are really known as like a lot being really happy songs, if you listen to the verses, I'm talking about the dark stuff in the verses. And then I sing something that's optimistic in the chorus. And I feel like if you don't have both, it's hard to really understand like what it is that you're that you're. It's every being great, optimistic it, about yeah. you know, it's every you, great story yeah. that's ever written, right? Yeah. It's not that interesting yeah. if it's just a glide to, yeah. into the sun. Yeah, but and you that, have to kind of go into the valley, and that's mm, all great stories. The right? dark yeah. and the light. Yeah. Yep. And that that for me comes from my upbringing. You know, I was given up for adoption at birth. My birth mother is Irish, German, and Belgian. My birth father is African American and Nottoway Indian. And I was brought up by the Franti family, who are second generation immigrants from Finland. And they had three kids of their own, and then they adopted myself and another African American son. So you're representing um, like 46 countries. We, we at have birth. We're basically like the yeah. average American family. <laughs> you know, we're the microcosm of America. Um, I have one sister who's a lesbian, and, and one brother who's a police officer. Just to round the whole thing out. <laughs> and um, but um, you know, I grew up in this family where I didn't feel like I fit in all the time. You know, and my father was an alcoholic, and so there was just a lot of you know, family dynamic there where the family didn't always work. And, and all of us kids kind of had to find our own way, our own paths in life. And that led me to really feel empathy for other people who feel different or who yeah. feel left out. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people, we, you know, we spent a lot of our time just trying to figure as adults, just trying to figure out like, well, who am I and what am I here for? And what am I doing? And then you compound that these days with like social media and all the BS that yeah. we see in the news coming at us all the time. It's easy to become pessimistic and cynical and it's yeah. easy to just go, ah, screw it. I'm just going to, you know, wake up every day, watch football on Sunday, drink beer and just go back to work, right. you know, and just kind of coast, right. you know, but I'm somebody who believes that our, our challenges are there to bring us to our growing edge, you yep. know, and that when we get to our growing edge, that's where we really find like the nectar of life there, yeah. you know, and, um, can we zoom in on that a little yeah, bit? Let's so do like that. we've been friends for a long time now, yeah. since we've known you, you've kind of known who you are, mm. had your feet firmly on the ground and, um, kind of been about this, you know, positive mm -hmm. energy and joy and the fight of life yeah. and helping other people with the fight of life. But I'm guessing, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this, mm -hmm. as an adult, as a young adult, yeah. um, there must have been some times where you didn't have yourself figured out. Can, well, can I mean, you even share today, that? Even today, you know, it's because I'm out in the world um, bringing music to people um, that is about unity and about um, trying to, to, to heal the planet and trying to take care of the planet, take care of our communities and take care of the those who are the... Um, you know, the lowest among the, the society, most, vulnerable, most yeah. vulnerable in society. Yeah. And, um, and as we know in this world today, that's not the message that we're getting, you know, um, from the highest offices in the land all the way down. And so, um, every day I go on, uh, on stage, I'm thinking like, how can I, you know, present this to people, you know, like for example, this last weekend we played the Tortuga festival, which is a country music festival, you know, 
and we're like one of the only bands on it who's not a yeah. country band. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, how can I speak about gun violence, which is my latest single, The Flower, is yeah. about gun violence, to an audience of country fans, you know, um, who, you know, demographically might not be on the, you know, my same side of that issue. So um, it's easy to get down and feel like, stress and the thing but then i think oh man there's there's got to be a light in there somewhere you know and as i was making the video for this um uh song i met with dozens of families around the country who'd been affected by gun violence everything from street violence people who had spent 25 years in prison for murder who were out working back in their communities to prevent that people who had family members commit suicide people at the pulse nightclub in orlando the parkland shooting and the route 91 concert in Vegas at the country concert. And so I was, I was able to talk from the audience from my personal experience of meeting other country music um, fans who had been affected by gun violence. And so it's like, uh, that's where optimism comes in. It's like, do you get defeated before you start and go, I'm just not gonna bring it up. Yeah. You know, it's uncomfortable. For How me. was it received? It was received really, really, really warmly because I said, we need everybody to figure out this problem. It's not just going to be because, you know, one group of people decides that we're going to, through the stroke of a pen, change some law and it's going to be fixed. Yeah. Every community is different the way that gun violence affects yeah. affects them. And so we need every single community to address it in their own way. And people really resonated with that. Yeah, you know? yeah. right on. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's, uh, we can have our differences, but it's about listening to each other and how mm -hmm. we approach each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so many people look at, optimism on the surface like this soft philosophy mm -hmm. but when you take your example what's the strategy that's worked in your life it's when you didn't stay in bed or get bummed yeah. out or that, that happens to everybody but it's a, a matter of like when you flip the switch and say all right what am i going to do about it yeah what's the most productive progressive thing i can do i'm going to try to rally myself and sometimes maybe for someone like yourself a big part of that is realizing your role for others mm -hmm. is to help them see positives yeah. in in very complex issues like that. You know, the, I, I, what I've found is that the main thing is um, uh, vulnerability. Like the greatest challenge that we have today as, as people is to be able to go, you know what, this is a super challenging situation for me and I'm going to come into it open-hearted. Yeah. rather than I'm barging in, I know yeah. what's up and I'm going to tell you how to, you know, but yeah. to, co to come in and go, you know, I, I really don't know. I'm not really so sure. Or, this is something that in the past has been really challenging or has hurt me personally, yeah. and, but I'm still showing up and I'm going to be curious, you know, yeah. keeping your sense of curiosity. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and that's the hardest thing to do. And so, you know, when we talk about optimism, a lot of times you think it was like really shiny thing, but sometimes yeah. it can be really... Um, that vulnerability can put you in a really scary place. Yeah. And that's optimism. You know, you know who does it better than anybody? Little kids. Yeah. Little kids live their lives wide open like yeah. this. And yeah. then a lot of things about society teach us to become more skeptical yeah. and to close up and to not expose ourselves. But little kids are pretty wide open. Yeah. You know, I think we can learn a lot from them. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. My my son, Taj, and I have three sons. One's, uh, Cappy's 31, Ade is 20, and Taj is seven months. So just a bit of advice Little for you. If, if you have three boys, space them out 31 years apart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but Taj, you know, it's like uh, his facial communication 
you, you just you just see it so clearly. It's like, oh, he's sad, and his face really shows. And you're like, oh, you, you, you know, my face immediately goes to this sad place. Then when he smiles, my face goes, and yeah. I get really excited. And I get really yeah. happy, you know. So it's like contagious. <clears throat> it's good contagious, vibes are contagious. You know, man. good yep. vibes are contagious. And when he makes a poopy face. I go, oh, you no, poop? I'm going to go poop. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's powerful, so, Tosh. Yeah. Very powerful. But it's, but it's true, you know, and that's the thing. It's like when you, when you smile, you walk into a room and you smile. Sometimes, you know, they say fake it till you make it. I don't know if that's true or not. But if you walk into a room and you smile, immediately other people around you yeah, smile. Small and things. they feel good. Just like yeah, a little yeah, there's actually science behind yeah. that, that you change somebody's chemical makeup or mood just by that. Yeah. expression of yeah. light eyes and smile and, and they you know. say too that like um making a decision in the morning that i'm going to just admit emit more positive energy mm. like i have struggles i have challenges weaknesses everybody does you can focus on those things when you wake up in the morning or you can focus on your strengths and yeah. you can just say what and you know the way we look at it whatever you focus on grows mm -hmm. so making that decision in the morning and saying i'm going to wake up today do the best i can i'm not going to be perfect but I'm going to bring positive energy to the table. Yeah. If if more of us decided to do that, then we feed off each other and all ships rise. Yeah. And it's, you know when we look at, you know, society as a whole, we think there's there's things, you know, like uh, you know, climate change. And we think like, you know, how are we going to ever solve climate change? You know, and there's some people who are just like, ah, oh, you know, the world's going to eventually just die off and there's no choice. There's nothing to do. Yeah. And then there's other people who say, no, we can, we can solve this. We can go into it with, and we need the, the wisdom of indigenous people. And we need the, uh, the creativity of entrepreneurs and we yeah. need the cooperation of governments and, yeah. and the common sense of everyday people to solve this. And we'll get there. You right. know, the, those are the kind of just like click yeah. it, turn it the other way. And yeah. like, even the, people, yeah. even the people that, haven't figured out the basics maybe i should say like they're not even recycling or you know they don't feel like they're forward thinking on that yeah. topic if you just sort of start by saying i'm very imperfect but hey maybe i can be part of the solution mm -hmm. here i think whether it's a person organization a business having that approach is the right way for all of us just like mm -hmm. you said on the gun violence like i don't have all the answers yeah. but Together, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. I want to shift gears if we can and um, ask you, you know, at Life is Good, we say that gratitude is a superpower. Yeah. And uh, we know that you're a fan of gratitude. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you can kind of shed some light on how that's a tool for you and how it can be a tool for others. Well, it's it's one of the tools that I use is, is just asking myself, what are three things I'm grateful for, especially during moments when I'm feeling really down or feeling really bummed out or whatever I, yeah. and just do a little check. So it's like, know, like Taj, Sarah, yeah. and me and JJ? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's four. That's actually four. <laughs> oh, you can lump us together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the life um, is good, guys. Yeah, the life is good, guys. Yeah. Um, but, but that helps me to just sort of reframe it, you know. And um, I also practice yoga. And in yoga, that's one of the, the practices that we do is like a practice of gratitude and to be able to, uh, you know, quiet the voice in our head that is always telling us, you know, no, or you can't, or why, or, you know, and to be able to wake up that voice that says, I'm just here in this moment. I'm grateful to be here right now. Yeah. And whatever comes up, I'm going to have a look at it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Another one of what we call life's good superpowers is openness. When you mention about uh, your 
mixed background and, and how it helped you connect and feel mm -hmm. empathy. Can you share maybe a little more, how can the average person um, embrace openness more? When I was a kid, you know, I grew up in this mixed family. And so there's all different styles of music, you know, and, you know, my brother, older brother loved jazz and funk and parliament and stuff like that. My sister loved like singer songwriters like Jim Croce and Elton John. My other sister loved hard rock like Aerosmith. My younger brother loved hip hop and I loved punk rock and hip hop and reggae. And I kind of like, it kind of, you know, I, I was around all of it. And then we would all go to church every Sunday. And so there was church music that was always there too. So I grew up around all good of good church music and bad church yeah. music. What Our, did you have? Ours was some days it was good. Some yeah. days it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> the church definitely has its We hits. had pretty bad. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we had pretty bad. I probably still go to church if the music goes away. I've seen yeah. it at like some, some churches. Yeah. Um, but um, the, 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 when I describe it like that, that's how life is in the world it's like when you get out and you experience people of different walks of life it's like hearing different music for the first time and going oh wow i'm catching a different energy and a different vibe off that and there's something in that that really touches me you know and my life is made richer by the experience of of music that i had growing up and it's that same way with with people you know and people of different walks of life and what you realize is like you know, you might see somebody go, oh, that person's white or that person's black or that person's Latino or whatever. And then when you go and you talk to them, you realize that those things don't really um, make that much uh, of a difference as much as like, oh, which one of you guys loves basketball as much as I do? Right. And you'd never be able to know by right. just looking at their skin right. color. You yeah. know, and you start to talk to people, you start to realize you have interests in common that go beyond the surface, yeah. you know. And, um, and those, those are really important. And, you know, I made this film, Stay Human, which is about me connecting with people around the planet who, uh, in my times of cynicism and pessimism, they woke me up and reminded me of optimism and how to hold on to our humanity in challenging times. And I learned something making the film, which is that there's no one you wouldn't love if you knew their story. There's right. no one you wouldn't love if you knew the story. It doesn't matter if it's like right. the butcher you see every day, the homeless guy in the corner who you walk past on your way to yeah. work. It doesn't matter if it's a random person in an elevator or somebody who you've known your whole life and you just sit down yeah. with them Even and you learn something new. Even a person who's done horrific them. things yeah. who you think you can only hate, yeah. if you knew their story, you would mm -hmm. have empathy. Yeah. And you'd say, oh, they've lost their mind. They, yeah. they, they're not themselves yeah. and they went through too much. Yeah. 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 Right on. We're going to shift to uh, quick answers on things. Sure. Um, what is Michael Franti's favorite food? The first thing that came to mind is pizza. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably like everybody. Any topics? Nice. But um, uh, I'm going to switch it because I've stopped eating pizza just because uh, I'm trying to like, I get, I get really, uh, well, I've learned a few How things. How dare you? One, I know. One is that uh, I get, I put on a lot of weight from it. Number two is that it gives me reflux in the night, like the tomato sauce. I'll eat pizza after a show, yeah. and I can't sleep on the bus. I got this reflux. So I'm trying to, like, lay off it. haven't yeah. exactly quit it, but, you know, on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle scale of eating yeah. pizza, I'm, like, way down <laughs> at the bottom now. Yeah. But I love popcorn. And popcorn? I love caramel popcorn. And uh, it's just as bad <laughs> as pizza in terms of the caloric intake, yeah. but I, I love it. Two classics yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, how about favorite hoop player of all time and why? Mm, well, gosh. So there's 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 two for me, 
Bernard King. I just love Bernard King. Um, he has lived a super really hard life uh, after having retired and has gone through a lot. But he was my favorite player as a kid just because he was, you know, able to be – he was on these teams that weren't very good all the time, but he would go out there and he'd light up, you know, 60. 50, 50 60, yeah. 50, you know. Mostly turnarounds. Uh, you mostly turnaround deadly. jumpers. Yeah. Deadly. And, and he was a fighter. You know, it was like a really – you know. And then um, second is – or maybe first even is Steph Curry. I love Steph Curry and I'm I'm a Warriors fan from when I was a little kid. And um we're going to see that boy tonight. We're going to see him tonight and I love the way <laughs> I just love the way that he has changed the game. He's rethought the game. It used to be the three-point shot was just something like you could you randomly did like the ball came to you, you're standing there, you're behind the three-point you look, you take the shot and the coach goes, "No! Oh, you made it." You know like yeah. And um, but now he's turned it into like a whole science and developed a way of spreading the floor so wide. Like you have to pick him up as soon as he steps across yeah. half court yep. or yeah. he's going to jack it up there. And right. and that has spread the game and it's enabled like the passing to become more exciting. It's made this, the defense have to react faster. It's made the scoring go up. It's you know, interesting it's if we just, could see how kids are developing right now because yeah. they look at their stars. You know, we developed our games as kids based on the stars of our era. But yeah. now kids look at Steph Curry, you know, one of the smaller guys on the court and say, I want to be like yeah. him. His but, parents and, wouldn't let him shoot threes till he was like 13, 14, which wow. I thought was great. Yeah. I keep telling my kids, yeah. get, get near yeah. the hoop, man. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, when the three of us were going up, like, we are probably some of the taller players on our teams. Yep. And the coach is like, you're center. Yeah, you right. stand by the basket. Right, right, right. We're going to yeah. throw it to you. You box right. out. You rebound. We're going to teach you a baby hook, you know, yeah. sky hook. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's your job. But Do now told, boy. it's like guys are like seven feet tall. Right. And they're like, you go out there and you learn how to shoot a three or you're not going to be right. able to play this game. Right. You it's know? crazy. Okay. What, what is your um, favorite sound? Uh, I love bass. Nice. On the bass. Um, so it's not really one sound, but I love the feeling of bass, the way it vibrates my body and the way it moves me, the way that it takes the rhythm and connects it to the melody, because that's really what a bass line is. It runs the whole show on yeah. uh, when, yeah. when you're putting music yeah. together, right? Yeah. yeah. What are you most grateful for? My family. I mean, Sarah, who's here, and Taj. Round of applause for Sarah. You know, yeah, she's here. We're going to hear from Sarah a little bit later. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I grew up in a family situation that was really challenging and now I'm in a family situation that's really loving and I really cherish it, you know, and when my first two sons were born, I was so young that I was just, you know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I was just, you know, like rent, food, rent, maybe clothes, (laughs) maybe rent back to shoot, you know, and, and, uh, now it's like, um. I'm able to appreciate every moment of um, that we have. Yeah, you know, Taj, every meal, every smile, every time he puts the the broccoli in his ear. You know, like every little thing that happens, and and I'm just grateful to have you know at this point in my life have a really beautiful family. Awesome. And, you know, if your your family upbringing story is a powerful one because the definition of family in America and globally is changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. You know, 
first of all, there's the, just not the nuclear family, like mom and dad and kids and a house, you know. And you might not be biologically yeah, related. Yeah, might not be biologically related. That's yeah. what I was just going to say is that we create our family circles through, you know, who we're around. And sometimes yeah. our closest family members are someone we, we met when we were 20 years old. Yeah. And, and then you create those concentric circles with other groups of circles. And, you know, our families are different. You know, the guys in my band, uh, we, we travel um, six to seven months of the year on tour. And so over the last, you know, 30 years of being a musician, I've been around with those guys more than some more than my Your own family, kids. You right, know? Right? Uh, and so, uh, um, they're very, they're very close to me. Yeah. yeah you know, I love that. Uh, so I keep going back to hoop, obviously we're hoop junkies, but the NCAA, I love how they wear that yeah, word family. Family, yeah. Because when those kids are playing together, yeah, every day and sweating together every day yeah. and just going through, you know, the murderous preseason and then yeah. the long season on the road, mm -hmm. and they're different. You get a little alienated. Okay, they're they're yeah. you know looked up to and everything, but it's not an easy life. Yeah. And they become family with each other. So I, I think that's a great move. Uh, yeah. Something really powerful that the yeah. NCAA did for every team in the league, saying yeah. this is my family. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I love that too. Cool. Can you give us one song that's not your own? Yeah. That hits you hard every time. Mm. Uh, I love, uh, well, I love you too. There, there, there are many songs there, like Pride in the Name of Love and Where the Streets Have No Name. But it was one that was really unexpected for me, which is The Sweetest Thing. Mm. And um, it's kind of a love song that Bono wrote for his wife when they were going through a challenging time kind of an I, I'm sorry song. But um, when my father passed away, um, I was just driving in the car and that song came on the radio and it just hadn't really like broke down and I just mm -hmm. broke down. And I took the song and I brought it to my studio and I played it over and over again. I got on my yoga mat and I would just practice yoga for hours and just cry and cry until I couldn't cry anymore. And every time that song would sort of trigger, trigger me in that way. And... Um, uh, you know, my dad and I, when, when he was 66 years old, he had a stroke and we hadn't been close, you know, and, and because of his alcoholism and he wasn't the nicest person, but when he had a stroke, it was like being sick actually made him well. Mm. And he blossomed into this really beautiful person and he made amends to me and everybody who had, he had ever hurt in his life, stopped drinking and and I had these four years, he died when he was 70, I had these four years when he was this, this really remarkable, loving person. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, I said, you know, it seems like you changed a lot, you know, from the stroke. And he goes, I, I didn't change. And it, when I heard that, I was kind of like the, the, the trombone of disappointment was like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, nah, dad, you changed. And he goes, no, what I mean is I always felt like this inside. I just never could express it. I could never mm. show it. Amazing. Yeah, you know. We had a song uh, when our mom passed, all, all her kids were around and we were singing to her and then we were actually like, uh, we were basically making fun of her, making up lyrics and stuff, just mm -hmm. trying to bring some humor in. It yeah. was so heavy. And um, Stand By Me happened to be the last song we sang. Mm -hmm. And ever since that, it's been sort of a heavy song to hear when yeah. it comes on. And it shifted like two years ago. I was at this weird event for my friend's birthday we we're all dancing she had a cover of it in there and it, it's the first time i i thought like she's here like yeah. you know and and ever since it's like 
it's a totally different emotion. It was a cool feeling yeah. to get past the sadness and just like, oh, yeah, that's a great um, thing that music really does. Is it allows us to feel. And, and people ask me, well, how do you describe music? And I say, music is the sound of feelings. It's what feelings sound like, you know, sometimes your feelings change, you know, sometimes they evolve. Like you said, like, you know, there's, the, there'd be uh, a time when I, I can't wake up every, uh, without, you know, thinking of my dad and, and just bursting into tears or trying to shut it down and block it out and go about life, you know, but then there's one day you wake up and you go, oh, dad, you're still here with me. I got this, you know. Tony, I, write that down. Yeah. Music is the sound of feelings. That's yeah, a decent man. t-shirt. Let's yeah. make some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, uh, is there a musician that's no longer with us that you would just, you just love to get a chance to jam with? Um, well, there's so many. Um, I'm, my three biggest favorite artists are um, Bob Marley, Marvin Gaye, and uh, Johnny Cash. The reason I love them is because they're able to write songs about how much they were concerned and were fighting for the world. And then they'd put that right next to a song about how much they love or miss their girlfriend, mm -hmm. you know? And I love artists who are able to do that, to be able to be like, I'm going to be out there and be a voice for good in, the, in times of, of crazy, but I'm also able to just tell you about my girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Yeah. Artists are, are gatekeepers, you know, they, they really are through, throughout history. And it's like uh, the sooner that businesses realize that and governments realize that throughout all of history, yeah. um, you know, whoever was in power, when the church was in power, they couldn't paint that ceiling. No. They, they needed an artist to do that. Yeah. Art is the thing that unites us and inspires us more mm -hmm. than anything. That's, that's one of the things that we really feel so connected to you on yeah. the idea that, you know, if everybody just got up and spoke or wrote, you know, interesting papers or speeches, it's not enough. But when you sing it and you paint it and people can dance and, you know, drive that emotion you're talking about, it's, it's real powerful. You know, the, the Reverend Cecil Williams, who runs Glide Church in San Francisco, which yeah. is an incredible service organization. They serve meals to 9,000 people a day. And, um, he, I was, I was at church there one Sunday, and he said, he said, um, joy is the intersection between the human and the divine, and so that's why sometimes when you feel joy, you laugh, and sometimes you feel joy, you cry. It's that moment when the human intersects with the divine, and that's what music does for us. It, it helps us to, we, you're at a show, some incredible music thing happens, and suddenly you put your arms around a complete stranger, you're singing the song totally out of tune mm. and you don't you're not thinking about anything that happened before you're not concerned about anything that happened in the future you're just right there in that moment yeah and yeah. you feel that sense of joy that sense of elation and sometimes yeah. it makes you cry sometimes it makes you give somebody you don't know yeah. a high five yeah. right. but that's what music does is it drops us into those moments yeah. so that that's why divine. i think we've got to go to live shows too yeah. because uh, to me i don't know about you but mm -hmm. i get much more of that experience when you're around perfect strangers and you're out in a totally. field or in the woods somewhere and listening to some uh, either a favorite artist or somebody you've never heard and you realize how, how much we have in common. Yeah, yeah. I always think about people politically. If you think about the political left and right in mm -hmm. America today and how divided it is, you can't get them to talk to each other unless they love the same band. Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're friends. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Stand By Me, uh, I sang it a couple of weeks ago on stage with Ronnie Lott, Joe Montana and Toby Keith. 
Wow. Toby Keith is about as diametrically opposite politically as yeah. I am, you know, and Incredible. Ronnie and Joe are somewhere in the middle of the yeah. two of us. Did Ronnie you know? Lott, is it a true story that Ronnie Lott made a decision to chop one finger off so he, that he could play the next he, week? Yeah, his finger got smashed. And uh, so, Sarah, you've got the story <laughs> behind this. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's the story? Get in here. Come on. Come on Story. over. Come on over. Tell the story. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah Fronte. Welcome back to the Sports <laughs> Hour. We're playing this good at Michael Fronte. Yeah. So I like I actually had a chance to ask Ronnie because I was able to meet his wife and we've actually become great friends and she's become a mentor to me. And I asked Ronnie and I was like, I asked Michael, I was like, would it be really bad if I asked Ronnie this story? And so I asked and it's not quite it. It was broken. They never cut it off at the game. He just, it was like, should I get surgery or not? So I can't remember the exact details, but when I first moved to San Francisco and, you know, Ronnie's like this icon in the Bay Area, I guess in the country, yeah. right? Yeah. He told me, he's like, yeah, he had to make the decision to get his finger cut off and all this stuff. And like every time I'd see Ronnie and my palms would sweat and, I'm, and I'd look at his pinky. The toughest guy and, who ever uh, lived. Not quite, but we can still, we can pretend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if you But believe, he smashed the, it's, it's mangled for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. mangled. Yeah. 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 Yep. Sorry. Can you tell us about Do It For The Love? Yeah. <laughs> so Do For The Love is a nonprofit that Michael and I founded five years ago. And what we do is we send adults and children who are in end stages of life-threatening illness, children with severe challenges or trauma, and wounded veterans, including PTSD, to live concerts. So you could write us and say, my mom has stage four breast cancer. She really loves Ringo Starr. And she, you know, it would be her last wish to go see the show. And so we'll send her and up to four family members or caregivers or friends to go to the show. Um, and so in the last five years, we're five years old, we've done over 2,000 live concert experiences. So Michael awesome. always loves to go 2,000 times four is 8,000. So 8,000 people have been able to go to a live show. And Incredible. Some of our recipients pass away and it becomes this beautiful memory for the families and some of them live on and it's just a night of respite. And so yeah. um, you guys talked about it and every I was I'm listening in the back and everything you guys were saying was exactly why we started to do for the love. You know, you're in a stadium of 20,000 people and that one song comes on and everyone's your best friend. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are, or your political beliefs. It's a unifying force in the world. And so we're really proud and. Um, it's, you know, we're so happy to have touched so many lives. The so work. great. So great. We're proud of you guys and so proud to be your friends, uh, not just because you're talented people and, and everybody seems to love you, um, but because you're doing good things. You're, you're taking the, the good things that have come your way and you're sharing them. And it's really, really beautiful. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you guys for partnering with us on a t-shirt last summer. And we raised a ton of money off that t-shirt. Awesome. Yeah. More to come. And, More to uh, come. We'll Let's do another uh, one. And yeah. Yeah, We're let's excited. let's keep working together. Yeah. We can do some fun things together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite word, Michael? Um, hmm. Human. I'm I'm going with human right now. I mean, we uh we have this film and this album. It's called Stay Human, and and the whole record is dedicated to how we define ourselves. Like, what does it mean to be your authentic self as an individual? Um, with all your superpowers and with all your scars, you know, and and then how do we hold on to our humanity, that sense of purpose and that sense of optimism during times of incredible challenge? And um, 
I think that's what makes human beings special is when things get really tough. You see people come out and, and, and support each other. And sometimes we do nasty things to each other, too, when we're at our worst. But when we're at our best, we, we support each other. And, and, you know, my music is to try to foster that. You believe we, in humanity? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a member of humanity, so I, I, I feel like I don't have a choice. It's something that I've got to be here to, to, to be fighting every day to make sure that we can be our best selves. Most, is, most human beings uh, wear shoes. Yeah, can I do talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Wait, one sec. I just want to be clear. It's nothing yeah. against the aliens or the aardvarks. No, no, nothing against them at all. You're a fan. I love it's them just all. humans a little yeah. bit higher. I think that, I think that um, but as, as human beings, we, we have a, an opportunity to be stewards of this planet. And, and, and we're, we're not doing that all the time, you know? Right. And, and I, I think that that stewardship is is still it's still a kinship you know it's not being having dominion over animals it's being it's working to support nature yeah yeah and bert mentioned uh the bare feet yeah tell us a little bit well uh um i stopped wearing shoes in 2000 on my birthday and uh i go pretty much everywhere um I have a pair of flip-flops, which are kind of like my winter boots. They're Javianas, in case anyone wants to know. And, um, you know, I don't ever do it as a thing of protest. Like if I go into a restaurant and they say, put shoes on, I take them out of my bag, put my flip-flops on. But um, I've just found that uh, I've learned some things from being barefoot for so long. One is that no two steps are ever alike. Every time you take a step, it feels different. And when you wear shoes, they all, they feel the same most of the time. And, and it's kind of like a metaphor for life. You, everywhere you go, every experience that you have, you, you, can, you can perceive it as new and different, or you can perceive it as, oh, I'm just trudging along. And, and so that's a reminder for me. But mainly, uh, I just hated wearing shoes when I was a kid. And so as an adult, this is a way to get back at my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <clears throat> Staying childlike. Yeah. This one might be a little heavy, but uh, we got to go there. It's part yeah. of life. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of people right now listening to this that have personal struggles mm-hmm. of all different kinds yeah any advice for people mm. uh how to make it through these times because yeah. you know in retrospect it kind of looks easy to all of us mm-hmm. but when you're in the middle of it it can look pretty dark yeah i mean as an adult i've battled depression and anxiety throughout my entire adult life and it's why i write songs of optimism because i go to those dark places and um as as everybody does to a certain degree one thing I've learned, though, is if I can change my thoughts, I can change my feelings. If I can change my thoughts, I can change my feelings. And it's kind of like a muscle that you have to exercise. So we're talking about Steph Curry. You know, Steph doesn't show up tonight at Staples Center, and it's like last second, free throws. If he hits it, they win. And he looks over the bench, and he goes, sorry, coach, I didn't practice free throws this year. <laughs> you know, like right. he doesn't do that. He he practices, and he puts himself in a challenging um, positions when you watch his style of training he's always trying to get himself off balance or his coaches are trying to get him off balance so that his mind is used to changing the way that he's thinking it's not just, so that, it's not just that he's a good foul shooter yeah. it's just that he, he shot a million, shot foul, a million shots. foul shots and he's trained his mind to be in that arena with millions of people screaming and all this pressure of the team and the community and even his own family and uh, who are all watching and he's able to focus and do that and and we have to be able to do that for ourselves you know um to train our minds to be able to 
change our thoughts and to change, to change our feelings when we're going through stress practi- and tension practicing and anxiety. optimism it's like practice, practicing yeah. foul shots yeah. right practicing then, gratitude yeah gratitude yep. and then also be able to do it for other people because sometimes other people in our life they just need like a little like i got you bro Yep. Or yeah. I see you, man. Or yeah. I appreciate. We love your creativity. We we want you here. We dig you being part of our family. And those little words they go a long way in changing yeah. the way that people feel in those moments when they're really down. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Right on. Can I hit with one last one, yeah. which is uh, what do the words "life is good" mean to you? Mm, I, I I mean. It, when you, we were talking about gratitude, I mean that's really what it is in a nutshell. Is like. It's like, it's an appreciation because life isn't always perfect, you know, and, and that's not what the shirt is saying. It's that life is good. Life is, is here. We're here to learn from our challenges and we receive gifts from them. You know, every, every shot that you miss is one that, that is working towards you developing, that you being able to hit a higher percentage. And, um, when we approach life with that mindset of that, that life is good, we find it, we see it in abundance. You know, it's like if you wake up and you go, oh man, the world is jacked up. You know, it's really easy to take shots at people go, oh, that guy's an idiot. Look at his mustache. It's too long. That person's stupid. They're, you know, they're, they're sweeping the street and it's going to rain in half an hour, you know, or, or you go, man, that guy's mustache is incredible. Whoa. Thank God he's sweeping the street. Who cares if it rains in half an hour? Right. You know, like where right. he got clean streets Same right thing now. Happening, you know? different perspective. Same thing happening, different perspective. And that's what life is good is about to me. It's like a way, it's like tuning your, your, your guitar before you play. Like yeah. you don't just go out on stage and play your guitar. You go, you tune the guitar up and then you go, oh, okay. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Let's go approach life with a tuned guitar. You know, oh, so. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Well said, man. Right on. Well, Michael, thank you for joining us. It's been uh, this awesome. is a new tradition we're starting, and we call it the Life is Good Ping Podcast for a reason. Love it. Okay. Because after we've chatted and we've really enjoyed it, our, our talk with you, uh, we challenge you to a game of ping pong. Oh, man, I'm in. I'm in. Your this gamer, is where right? the peace Let's and go. love ends, Michael. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Let's and, go uh, hit the ball. Yeah, so a game to seven. Okay. Whoever wins, yep. wins the privilege of donating to the other guy's charity. Got it. Sound good? Let's get this game on. I'm going to be representing the Do It For The Love. And we will be representing the Life's Good Kids Foundation. Let's do it. Let's rumble. Let's do this. Yep. Do it for the love. Life is good, kids. Foundation. Let's, Let's get do this it. on. All right. Ooh, nasty. Fronty has quite an arsenal. Thanks for listening today. You can join us and help spread the power of optimism by sharing a positive message at lifeisgood.com/slash/somethinggood or post on social using hashtag something good on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For every something good shared, one dollar will be donated to the Life is Good Kids Foundation. So post something positive today and make a difference. Oh, yes! The Life is Good Ping podcast is available for download on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and on lifeisgood.com. Make sure to subscribe and rate us, hopefully based on the podcast and not our ping pong skills. Did not take the opportunity for the spike. He's a gentleman. The Life is Good Ping podcast is produced by Daniel Fox and Robin Mack. Our executive producer is Karen Lyon. 
Assistant producer is Lauren Sorensen. Go to Life is Good's YouTube channel to watch behind the scenes and find out who wins the ping pong charity challenge. But, but that's, that ball was brilliant! Four, that was one. it! I hit it right